safely to the internet, it would appear. So good morning, everybody, and welcome to this morning's Eat and Greet. It's our first one of the year. Mark, you're the first in. Thank you. Thank you How for having me. How about that? That's wild, isn't it? You know, I looked last year and we got in, um, I believe it was 63 eat and greets. So 63 different astrologers by the time we closed the year. That's impressive, Stormy. That's dedicated of you. <laughs> That's my commitment to talking. That's yeah. like my very <laughs> mercurial. <laughs> I salute it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm so thrilled that... You're going to be the first one in and hopefully in the next hour or so you guys will give you something that's worth the time you took to show up. And I just really think this morning is going to be so delicious. Mark, it was it was fun to try to get together next year. And you're so busy because the stuff that you talk about and the way that you use a therapeutic approach with astrology is in such high demand for people to hear, to heal and to hear about that. I'm, I really feel very fortunate to have you this morning. Well, thank you. And I appreciate that specific type of appreciation in a way, Stormy, apart from the the young man that was in the school plays and the drama club, I am quite introverted and I do a lot of my work in private. But about 10 or 11 years ago, I took the risk when I wrote my first book to share more of it and come out in these domains and talk about it. Of course, a lot of it's very long term, intimate, private work with people about their most intimate truths in their life. And so but it's been so rewarding to share about it. People write to me to thank me for talking about it. And that, you know, like you say, this therapeutic angle, it's not like everyone has to be a therapist, but it is that everyone has to recognize that therapy existed in the world for a chunk of time, really similar to the chunk of time that modern astrology has existed. And to simply ignore that, to ignore all this wisdom that we have about two people talking together and, you know, what, talking about one's life might allow you to heal if you are honest with yourself and another person about what's happened to you. And I think that's the missing piece with astrology sometimes, the projection that astrology on its own will heal you, mm. which in my view is naive. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is a, um, a beautiful way to look at it. And that is actually, as I built this practice, the way that I came into it was the idea that astrology is a tool it's not the cure-all but it may be a wonderful specific pointer to help you get where you're going on the journey but to expect one thing to be all things is a really hard concept i think and especially any kind of healing work or shadow work that does not involve um another person to help you find the light is is really hard, I think. Well, because otherwise you're chasing your own tail sometimes. Yeah. And the other person can see that, but you can't. And also early childhood wounding in particular was created in a relationship. It was created between you and mother or you and father or you and your siblings. So you need that other person there to constellate those yeah. past feelings that were in relationships. But you know what strikes me, Stormy, the most thing about astrology for people to realize here are interested in astrology. Astrology is profound. It is a map and a map is a really useful thing, but it's not the same as living. You use a map to get somewhere and then you live, then you go out and enjoy it. Then you take a hike in the Grand Canyon or whatever. You don't keep on looking at the map. Yeah. Astrology has its place to help you understand certain things, but then it's about living your life, not constantly reading the map. Yeah. So it's just a really important metaphor, I think, for astrology. Maps are incredibly useful. But at the same time, you don't marry a map, do you? You don't go on a date with a map. You don't go, you know, 
sailing with a map past a certain point. You, you get to the beautiful place you want to take the ship to or your plane to your destination, then you have your holiday, your vacation. You don't keep looking at the map the whole time once you're there. Yeah. And that's the danger with astrology, that we're constantly drawn in to find more from it. Sure. And it's interesting because, you know, do you think that that's the danger with astrology or do you think that's the danger of the human condition is the constant seeking where it's, whether it's astrology, the health self-help section, the whatever, I feel like I can watch human beings deny living for a constant search. Like something's going to make it better besides just the actual living. It's brilliant. I couldn't agree more. It's the nature of the human ego, isn't it? That the human self in its egoic form is constantly seeking the answer. Like it's going to come from outside or, you know, it's going to be buttoned up like a little present or you're going like, like Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. You'll go down some tunnel and find this statue and that is the answer and you'll grasp onto it and never let it go. And of course, life is the answer. Life doesn't have an answer. The nature of your living is the answer to life. You know, your experience of your own being in the flow of life is life's purpose. It doesn't have a book. It doesn't have number 42, you know, from Hitchhiker's Guide or something. It doesn't have this figure that you're going to find. I love it. I think you see it in everything. You see it in therapy. You see it in anything where something's presented or spiritual circles, you know, they're desperate to follow the exact way this particular teacher said it or what the particular thing is to do rather than find your own way. It's like the disappointment Mm. Jung felt when everyone recognized how profound Carl Jung was. They all started trying to follow Jung and become a Jungian. And Jung himself became quite profoundly depressed by that. You know, how, how do you individuate by trying to become someone else? You can only individuate by the deeper acceptance of your own journey. And that's what all that's what that part of the human ego is trying to resist. In trying to find an outside answer, we're trying to resist the chaos of the inner journey. Yeah. Wow. What it would be like to actually just step back inside ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a big journey to do life. It is a big journey to just do life. So thank goodness we get a little bit of a map. What a treat, right? When they say there's it's no- It's a gift. It's it a is. gift, isn't it? It is a profound gift. But it's to recognize the value of the gift, you have to see what its limits are too, because then you can use the gift in the most effective way. In a way, you yeah, exactly, you need a map. And also you need this sense. I mean, I remember a teacher of mine always used to say, humans deserve medals, really, like service medals. You know, like it's just difficult to be a parent, isn't it? Or it's difficult to do a job or it's difficult to grow up or it's difficult to try and help people or help your community when something difficult happens. It's difficult to show up in life and people need acknowledgement for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, gold star. If you made it this morning or you're watching this gold star for being being alive. Well, you know what, what it struck me one day when I was a therapist in the city of Bristol, I had two clients of very different financial and social orders show up one after another, two young men, roughly the same age. One ran a design agency and was very wealthy and successful. And the other stacked shelves at Walmart through the night. And the guy that stacked shelves through Walmart through the night had just helped a lady who was struggling with childcare. And he had taken her palate as well and unloaded her palate as well. And then she hadn't thanked him properly. And he felt utterly despondent about this and then the guy that ran the design agency or the digital aspect of it he just revamped the company website and the main people the owners the directors had not appreciated him for it and these two men of very different circumstances 
back to back in my experience, just shared their sense of disappointment that they hadn't been recognized for the value of their contribution. Mm. And it didn't matter if you made huge money and you had all this acknowledgement or you were this lowly, relatively right. speaking, lowly guy, you know, stacking shells through the night, same human feeling. Yeah. Where, where is my effort valued? Where is my contribution valued? And where do I get it mirrored back? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. The human journey is wild. <laughs> so gold star, if you are here this morning and people are pouring into the chat and saying good morning to you. So good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, we're here. It's 2021. This is very exciting. So I have to ask because I ask everybody, but how did you get here? How did you get into astrology? Were you just sitting around and you said, you know what, I better do it? No, it's no. a very specific thing. Yeah, I, I had a series of experiences, both spontaneous and one psychedelic in my early 20s that led me to re-question my education. And as part of that, I began earnestly studying in my early 20s, various different spiritual and religious teachings, one of which was Kabbalah. And I went on a Kabbalistic course with um, the late Warren Kenton or Zev Ben Shimon Halevi. He just died last year. And I was privileged enough to go to his virtual funeral, which made me very happy to be able to stand up as his casket was brought in. Because mm -hmm. unbeknownst to me, well, it was an astrology weekend. It was Kabbalistic astrology. So I walk into my first ever course on this sort of spiritual teaching, and it turns out to be an astrological one. And that's the only weekend I ever went to. And I went home from that and my small community of artists and creative people in London at the time asked about their charts from that day forth. I went into Watkins bookstore in London. I got my charts printed out and me and my friends, this is maybe 1995, 94, 95. And from that moment, three days later, people were asking me to interpret their chart. Mm -hmm. One weekend course and maybe one book yeah. And it was just catch up then in my 20s, catch up. Yeah. So in a sense, I hadn't had anything to do with astrology before that. I literally just didn't even really know what it was, bar the fact that it was in magazines, horoscopes at the back of magazines. Sure. And then from that one weekend, I go in and he explains the tree of life to me and he places it in astrological terms. It changed my life. And then I studied later on with different people people a few years later that was that led to an intense period of self-study for a few years yeah it's always so interesting to see how we got here because the journey is just not always the same but I feel like the one thing everyone has identified is that there was a deep like shift like we got it in the key rect position and then walked through that door of astrology whatever it looked like right but yes. getting that that little click into that right position and then we were there. And I don't know about your experience, but for me, it was instead of studying or learning astrology, it more so became like a, a going back to something that I knew anyways, even though I hadn't previously realized or studied it before. So once I picked up the chart, then I, it just started to sing. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm learning this or going back to it. I mean... I think that's a very profound aspect of it. I mean, for me, it's no accident. It was a spiritual teaching that brought me into astrology. And I don't have that much interest in astrology outside its capacity to psychologically or spiritually educate us into a deeper life. 
I mean, to me, I was definitely felt like I was learning astrology. I mean, I'd never encountered it. It was a new language, but the facility, and I would have feedback from teachers later in my twenties. I remember this absurd moment in a, in a rock band in South Wales with my friends and a tape arrived from Noel Till in my mid twenties, talking about my lesson I'd just done for him. I'm like on lesson three and this big booming voice is leaping out going, this is marvelous. You're going to be an international astrologer and all of this. And I was just laughing to myself. And yet it, you know, it turned out to be true even though it seemed absurd to me at the time. I think there was a recognition to me, symbols are my great thing. Mm -hmm. I just love symbol systems and, and holding them in a certain way so that that map to a greater truth can open up but not yeah. hold it too tight that it restricts people. And I was like that, I was a literature student. I was a student of poetry. I was writing poetry. I thought I was going to be a writer, you know, and then it was that, and then it shifted towards spiritual studies and then astrology. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I just, I have to have that super big giggle about Noel because yes. um, Kathy <laughs> Rose is my mentor now. So yes, it's like, if you haven't like heard the expression of that big booming voice, like you've certainly missed out. <laughs> it's something when I first met him too, I mean, he's about, he was about, he was about six foot five. Sadly, he also passed away last year. Yeah. It was a year for me losing teachers and he just saw me and once he realized who he was, he grabbed me to his bosom. And I'm a six foot one guy with quite, you know, broad shoulders, but, but I was dwarfed by this man. And he held me and tears rolling down his face because I'd gone through certain personal things while I was on the course with him. And he was very, mm. Noel was over the top generous in one way. And then quite challenging because he was such a big person himself sure. in other ways. Yeah. But that generosity was so important to me in that time. So isolated from any, anyone really, any ed educational institute or any sense of a com astrological community. You do realize that when mentors and teachers are generous, when they share their belief in you, it really does help you hold your own sort of shaky light during those sure. times. Yeah. yeah just like, and so the, Noel was ver very generous indeed. And just like the, um, the men who just wanted to be appreciated for their contribution and their attempts at, at help. I think it's the same, yes. same kind of thing. And I was really interesting because along my course of study, I hadn't heard anything about the till line at all. It was a real, you know, nothing I had heard of at all. And as Noel Till was dying, I remember having a really profound situation in the middle of the day. And I was like, okay, I'm coming, like I'm coming. And it was a very distinct response to get into the till line that I didn't know anything about. And then I found it and I found Basil and I found Matthew and I yes. found Kathy. And I just thought, I think about those kinds of things that energetically and spiritually, um, if we're open and we listen, I think that's a part of the map where we kind of get put in the paths that we need to be in and lo and behold, it's, it's been life-changing for me. Well, and because Noel has such a nice mix of a technically proficient, particularly the movement picture astrologically with a counseling and psychological orientation. I mean, I personally found that elements of evolutionary astrology and the more direct psychological spiritual training began to inform my work beyond Noel's core interpretation of a chart. Yeah. Although I still use his stuff on solar arcs and directions mm. and movement picture 
But what Noel was so instrumental in me was this idea that you ought to have an astrological method. You don't want to just do generalized reading. You know, people study astrology for 30 years and they don't know where to start with a chart. Whereas Noel had these clear keys yeah. for analyzing things. And even if I don't use most of those now, it was instrumental in shaping me just this idea that one would become a master technician and that one, one would have all these different right. yeah. capacities to bring to the chart. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we're going to ground into 2021 together and you've got a, a meditation for us and then we'll talk about um, Uranian trauma. I'm, I'm yes. so fascinated and, and ready to hear about this, but first I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the, the full floor and uh, I'll follow instructions over here. Well, welcome everyone, um, whoever and wherever you are. Let's take Let's gather and take this rare opportunity to gather our intentions together. Um, this meditation is non-denominational. You don't have to per se believe in, in anything, but I invite you to believe in the power of your own soul. And that's what we're going to rely on in this short, but hopefully powerful meditation. I'd invite you to close your eyes And just allow the natural rising and falling of your breath. And allow yourself to feel supported wherever you're sitting or standing. I'm going to invite you to become aware or to imagine a point of light just a couple of inches above the crown of your head. Your guiding star. And as you just allow the natural rising and falling of your breath, This point of light just begins to radiate a warm light healing energy. And this warm light healing energy cascades down through your head through the front of your face and your throat, down through your neck and shoulders, out through your arms and into your hands, this warm light energy descending from this point of light like honey, slowly moving down through the body, bringing this sense of warm, light spaciousness as it goes. And this warm light energy moves down through the lungs and the chest, 
into the heart. Warm light energy sinking down from the heart, through the belly, the lower back. Warm light energy. As you breathe, you're breathing in this warm light energy. And this warm light energy is moving down through your lower body, through your legs, your knees and your ankles. down through your feet and into the earth. Warm light healing energy. As you breathe, it's as if this warm light energy is breathing with you. Now we're going to focus this energy, focus this energy at the heart. I want you to picture in your mind's eye someone you love deeply. Someone or an animal, beloved pet, someone now in your life or someone from the past. And as you hold that image in mind, allow this warm light energy to expand with your lovingness. And now I ask you to contemplate this year ahead, 2021, lying before you like a road, like a path. And I want you to allow the same lovingness to stream into that path. Maybe an image opens up or a sensation of where it is in your life that this lovingness is needed. And maybe now you can picture something challenging in your life or a challenging person, something that seems really stuck, something that's felt like it's huge challenge or even something that can make you feel hopeless or despairing. And just allowing this warm light energy, this warm light healing, loving energy from deep within yourself 
to move into that challenging image, bringing with it this sense of spaciousness, this sense of openness and possibility. This is very challenging and you're struggling. Just remember that point of light, just a couple of inches above the crown of your head, your guiding star, your link to the power and love of your soul. And just call on that now, call on the power of your soul to be present with you as you face the most challenging elements of your path. And just be open now to an image, a gift, an insight, a gift from your soul that presents itself to you. Something that you can rely upon as you make your journey through the year. Just breathing allowing this warm light energy to move through your body. And then we can all, trusting the power of our collective intention, pay attention to the suffering in the world, the suffering of the pandemic, ill and frightened people, people trapped at home, people losing their jobs, people trapped with kids inside that can't go out. And then they're just the suffering that's always present in the human world. Such amazing, but such fragile creatures. And let's allow our heart to open to the suffering in the world. And that through our prayer, through our trust in the power of our soul, we ask in whatever way can I serve life? Can I help to relieve the suffering? When I walk my path through 2021, can I do so in such a way that I uplift the world around me, that I inspire the people around me, that I'm able to share the love I have for those around me? 
and for those that's appropriate, for those who trust the power of the divine, perhaps you can join me and just see that somewhere in the greatest picture, in the greatest depths of life, the gentle hand of the divine reaches down to those in the greatest need. And that from this place we recognize that we're not alone, that in fact you're never alone, that spiritually you cannot be alone because your soul was made of the stuff of life, because your soul is made of that which connects you to all the animals, all the trees, everything in the cosmos, linked through the nature of your soul inside your heart and mind. And breathing, relaxing, allowing this warm light energy to gather in your heart, mind and belly. And then slowly coming back to the space. Hopefully with a sense of possibility and potential and a sense of inspiration about the year ahead. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah, lovely. I'm feeling really excited and optimistic about 2021. I have been since 2020. <laughs> like since the bar has been set low, hasn't it? <laughs> well, previous year, yeah. I was actually really excited about looking at the astrology of yes. 2020. I was really excited about 2021 and 2019 yes. because it is almost as if in 2020 we were going to have the event, but how to live after the event or the trauma in 2021, I thought this will be where we find our stones and our new balance and our new, our new way, but we will address what happened in 2020. So I think it is, it is uh, profound that the topic we're going to talk about is in the arena of trauma in general, but you specifically speak about them um, with your, your honest. So. Yes. I mean, I began to see following Rudyard's symbolism of the higher, the outer planets as higher octaves as the personal planet. I began to explore and, and following Green's work, which was realized through Uranus, the book Uranus Freedom from the Known putting these two ideas together, the work of Rajah, the work of Green, and sort of reimagining Uranus as an aspect of the subtle mind, as an aspect of the energy body. Um, is it useful just on a time scale to share a few slides just to oh, give yeah. people some thoughts? Yeah, I'll share yeah. my screen now. I'll just, I'll just come back to the beginning. Okay, and I'll share screen. Share yeah. screen. And I'll put this up. Yeah, uh, slideshow from the beginning. Great. So yeah, I began to reimagine the Uranus and Aquarius archetype. And it's interesting because this year and these shows, by the way, the Jupiter Saturn conjunctions from the last 500 years, 
but the crucial piece of information is that in 1405 Jupiter and Saturn came together in Aquarius and it's of course what's just happened here at the very end of last year and, and there's the divining defining event of this year Jupiter and Saturn have come together in Aquarius interestingly in the, in the kind of 1500s or the 1400s here the 15th century it's when the, the huge expeditions from China, the first time China opened up as a civilization and began to explore the world. And it was of course the lifespan of Gutenberg, the man who created the movable printing press that radicalized technology and created the written word as the key component of culture. And one wonders in our current Jupiter-Saturn conjunction if we're not reimagining even, mm. the written word is no longer the predominant medium. I mean, look at the way we're sharing today this, kind of virtual visual format is becoming the next movable type, isn't it? Effectively, we're transitioning from a written culture to a visual culture. And Jupiter, Saturn, Aquarius feels like the response you were talking about, Stormy, that sense of, yeah, we've lived through this shutdown and now we're having to adapt, aren't we? And, and look yeah. at the joy of a medium like this, you in uh, the Colorado region and me here in South Wales, thousands of miles apart, sharing early days of the new year like this is kind of beautiful in its own way it's just it has this shadow and this cost around human intimacy i guess mm -hmm. that hopefully can change or we can find other ways of bringing back into the world at the right time um but really that the thoughts i had about trauma they were an extension of this idea of mercury and jupiter so if i can go into astrological mode for people in a way that's hopefully useful and hopefully just simple and clear Mercury, you could argue, this, this to me, the mutable cross is like the learning cross of astrology. So Gemini, Mercury is like the data that, you know, you read an astrology book, it has all this data in it. And then Virgo, Mercury. So Mercury rules both Gemini and Virgo. And the Virgo, Mercury is the act of discrimination, effectively, from all these things I've read, Gemini, Mercury, data, which of them is going to be useful? to me or useful in my work or in my service Virgo and then of course the main basis for that assessment of usefulness is Jupiter Sagittarius what is my overall worldview you know if I'm interested in let's say I only study a specific branch of astrology I'm only interested in astrology of health and nutrition then I can ignore large sections of it as an act of discrimination for my purpose, or I'm interested in psychological and spiritually orientated astrology. So I'm going to ignore certain other things, perhaps. So these kinds of interpretations take place within this level of the mind. I found that Uranus referred to a different level of the mind. And uh, I'll, I'll include these technical things really. And let me explain a bit more and I'll come back to that. Um, well, no, let me stay with this. Uranus, I found, referred to a level of the mind that you could call the energy body's mind, the memory you have in your field. And this is a strange concept to people, but I'll, I'll explain it in a number of different ways. But on a real practical level, a way you can explore it astrologically is to look at stressful aspects from Uranus or planets in Aquarius or even potentially planets in the 11th house. Mm. So... For example, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction of the current time happening right now in very early Aquarius is, from this perspective, a trauma signature in and of itself. But it may also include this incredibly creative response. And in a way, that's the symbolism, isn't it? Even of this conversation. 
the fact that so many therapists, so many healers have either stopped working or they've switched to this kind of remote format is a loss in the world, as well as this potential incredible creative step. But I see, I, I am, you, you're, you're talking to someone in a way that had this very specific evolution. I was working as a therapist. I had all these astrological ideas and insights. I had people's charts and I was trying to work out why did people have the lives they had? Why did people have the childhoods they had? Why did effectively these kinds of terrible things happen to people? Um, so maybe I should just try and explain a little more. I could come back to this practical aspect, but for those who are interested in astrology, you can look at the stressful aspects from Uranus and ask yourself, as I began to, what are people holding in their larger energy field? And then I began to explore how to understand what they're holding. Mm. And I began to notice A, almost everyone's got these kinds of signatures and that you could argue, still me and maybe I don't know, you have thoughts on this. You could argue that the great hidden issue of our time is how do you resolve the subtle and not so subtle trauma in people's memory, you know, energy fields, their memories. There are obvious cultural landscapes of trauma, but I find that despite the increasing complexity of psychiatric material, actually you could say almost all people, it's a form of PTSD. People are just carrying PTSD from their childhood, from their schooling sometimes, from cultural backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, and then just within family systems from memories, collective memories, and just the sheer weight of human history, which is quite shocking. Yeah, and, and actually what I was thinking was, I wonder if, you know, since you were finding that almost everybody has them, if it is almost that we have to have them to yes. do the work that, that we're required to this time, um, or just Brilliantly in general. Put. Brilliantly oh. put. Is, yeah. And in fact, is, is that why we're here? Almost? Right, right. Yeah. Is this the domain, the perfect domain, human life, mm -hmm. in order to explore and resolve you know, it's a spiritual opportunity, isn't it? To recognize it these memories and these subtle mm -hmm. trauma imprints that I'm talking about. And they are subtle often. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, you see trauma is anything that knocks you off your path. Anything that just knocks you out of mm -hmm. your completeness. And you could argue that everyone is out of their completeness most of the time that there are all these different personal and transpersonal levels. But yeah, as you're just saying, Stormy, isn't, isn't this why? Aren't we here because we want to explore the events that were the most significant in the life and memory of the soul? Yeah. And that in a sense, trauma is the great teacher because the, the level I'm talking about trauma, it's as if the Buddhists call it the mind stream or the theosophists call it the higher mind. I'm talking about the energy field. I'm talking about you having a personal energy field that's maybe 12 or 15 feet beyond your actual body on some level. And the fact that that energy field itself might have a mind, might have a memory. And that we're talking about something that's even more refined. Rudyard called Uranus the higher octave of Mercury. But in a way, even the idea of higher octave is not enough of a leap. Because you could say almost that Jupiter is the higher iteration of Mercury. It's a leap again 
you know, your personal Mercury is the you that studies astrology or the you that memorizes your driving theory so you can pass your, you know, so you know what road signs mean so you can pass your driving test. We're talking about something that doesn't even exist on a conscious mental level. We're talking about something that comes through to people in med meditation, in, in intuitions, in dreams. It yeah. includes memories from the womb. It includes prior life memories. It includes memories from other domains, if you like. It includes the aspect of your consciousness that has lived through more than just your biological personal self. And as a result, this part of you is carrying crucial information. You know, people sometimes get stuck in all sorts of ways. They repeat relationship experiences or they repeat experiences of struggle or failure in certain domains. You know, they get fired from three different jobs for the same, apparently different reasons, but the feeling each time is the same. Yeah. People become stuck in these kinds of ways. And this, this layer in the psyche is an extra level of information. You could say it's your non-linear mind. It's your mind that does not take the form of reading or studying. It's like a mind within your energy field that if you could open up to it, you would receive this incredible extra level of information. Yeah, but do you think too that um, the opening up to that, the kind of the vision I have is that we again have to be in the right position to receive it because uh, I think some of the trauma information or this higher octave information can physically be painful again to experience if we're not there yet if we're not conscious exactly. enough to to do the specialized treatment of it well and yes and, and this is meaningful in itself you, you could argue in a way and this is an increasing awareness that i have that repression itself is meaningful mm -hmm. if you think about it yeah I'll say your father or stepfather is deeply tyrannical or i think of an example of someone i worked with for a long time that their father beat them very severely when they were three and a half because they drew on the new station wagon, the new family station wagon with some colored pens as a sort of act of childish creativity. And then their father distressed about that, beat, beat the living daylights out of them. When you're talking about that degree of pain and that degree of shock and betrayal that the figure that's supposed to protect you is hurting you to that extent, even threatening, you know, the small boy feared that he was going to physically die in the attack then there's nothing really the child can do about that. They can't apply for a different parent. Right. You know, they have to live with this situation. So in a way that person had to suppress that for a very long period of time, but then the long period of suppression makes it all the more difficult to get to. So even though this person had done relatively heroic things in their life an incredibly profound and powerful job, helping people uh, trained and as a physical warrior, they were very kind of, strong person in all sorts of ways the part that hadn't been able to get to it had to go to this much more vulnerable place after years of work together to access that original pain so in a sense because if they'd accessed it sooner people are in a rush sometimes they're in a rush to access it but the, the problem you get is let's say at 19 at college that person had tapped into that pain it becomes then a lottery whether they're going to make it because mm -hmm. maybe then a few years later they're a drug addict or they've gone under or it was all too much for them or they're suicidal sure. sure so people repress it meaningfully so you have that issue that things are suppressed for a reason because we have to get to some something of an empowered place this is the paradox of healing isn't it stormy that sometimes you have to get to quite a strong place to own all your vulnerability 
and all yeah. the challenging things that happen to you. You have to be relatively psychically speaking strong to do that. Otherwise yeah. you're tempted into a kind of false pride. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm all right. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with me. Oh yeah. I got beaten as a child, but Hey, I'm over that. Right. It's a false machismo to try and stay strong, to try and stay on track. Yeah. And do you find yeah. whether from just the therapeutic or the personal space that the actual position of strength to begin to consciously handle these things really looks like what people will term the bottom, right? It looks like it has just fallen out. And then yes. finally in that correct position to go, okay, something else. Because if you're honest, is, is this outside of the mind? Does this step us into the concept of spiritual or divine help that lies outside of the synthetic mind of the human being? Yes, wonderfully put. What a, what a wonderful question and point. And I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it does. And I think what I found in very severe cases of childhood trauma, the, the few very severe, and I mean more severe even than this example that I've worked with, the only healing, the really direct healing is the, the transformative power of love and the miracle of love effectively from a spiritual place. I, I think the direct path, Stormy, to healing certain key traumas in life is to find the soul's love or, or the mm. power of the divine. Um, you know, it's the gift of the 12-step program at its best mm. to the world, isn't it? Um, because how, how do you square what happens to some kids? I mean, I've been a, in the healing game for 20-something years. I mean, I've heard all sorts, but I still hear things that upset me in the moment. You know, like, how could a parent treat a child like that? Sure. How do you deal with that? You have to place it. You know, the, the personal self is only so powerful. Whereas the love of the soul, the will of the soul, the power of the divine is more powerful. And I think you're absolutely right. I think Uranus in a sense is the crack in the cosmic egg. It's the thing that breaks you open to the higher potential in yourself all too often. Yeah. Wow. And I was just reading your phrase over and over, specialized states of consciousness. And I think the power of love, where in the most horrific sense we realize the sickness or lack of availability of other human beings takes us from that position of judgment and shame around it to forgiveness, which isn't that love in its finest. Yes. And I, and freedom. Well, and if you took it from the point of view of say a course in miracles, cause that's mm -hmm. stepping into like that kind of territory, that forgiveness is the act that heals the world of perception yeah. You know, oh, the, yeah. The perceived separate self that's been injured catastrophically so many times and can never get over it to the power of real seeing, which is that, you know, the soul itself is made of the same stuff of the heart of life, that, mm -hmm. that once you can connect with your own soul, even just for a moment, it's so redemptive because it's so radically innocent, you know? I, I say a lot with people that, that healing really is about reconnecting with your innocence on a childhood level and then on a spiritual level, because it's very hard for the small child that's been hurt by a parent to not internalize that as guilt. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That place though, that higher octave, you're honest of, yes. I free me. And if I could have just thought myself into freedom, I would have done that. But something very uranian had to happen for me to be this level of free 
and don't you think exactly don't you think sometimes these mo these experiences that disturb and transform us i mean it's the nature of the human self up to a certain point in its experience that experiences of suffering catastrophe they they can fast track people or like the path of addiction you know you you, you either die as an alcoholic or you or you bottom out and you come up and you accept the 12 step or you accept the higher power and that revolutionizes your life sure in a sense all of the world is a kind of theater, isn't it? All of the world is a kind of game to push you to see if you can find that greater resource again or connect again inside yourself. And I think the higher, the outer planets exist astrologically as symbols of that transpersonal intention. They, yeah. And that's why they often produce, in quotes, apparently challenging experiences because often we need the challenge to rediscover the inner power. Yeah, absolutely. I think they almost, if we can move to a different frame of mind, they end up our fears and our traumas, um, our doubts, all of the things that we don't love those words end up actually working as allies to be an invitation to whatever this power is for us to move towards freedom, right? Instead of being yes. this like terrible thing and it happened to me and I have to continue to suppress it or continue to relive it. Instead, I think they actually act as an invitation from something divine to come home well and it needs that healing space you see mm -hmm. the person requires that confidant or that person they can share that deeper pain with and be witnessed and then they can free yes. it again and free the movement again so it doesn't define them because in a sense we get weighed down by these experiences presumably over lifetimes mm -hmm. so that the innate power and freedom and love of the human soul that the cumulative baggage appears to just drag it down um, i don't think that that's ever total but it can certainly feel total for people people can feel like they have been you know the the, the, the cumulated shame and pain is such that it cuts them off from their own soul and i put it to all of you out there any of you really struggling with something painful in your life if you can just open up even a crack of light from your own soul into your own heart or into the situation that is the direct path to resolving it in a sense yeah and i think that that's something that we you know stormy i mean it's become apparent from this conversation today that we're on a very similar vantage point in that regard you and i mm -hmm. um i think there's an interesting perspective on the consciousness of um, uranus given by gary lackman the former bass player from the band blondie strangely enough who has written a whole series of books on esoteric material but it's this idea that effectively the nervous system exists, um, it has this protective function that you could call a Saturn function, that we're actually having a, a good deal of the information about reality that we experience minimized for healthy mm -hmm. psychic reasons. And Uranus is like the capacity to have it open up again, to have that extra level of information open up again. And of course, um, so, so some of my work with people is just supporting them, their own intuitions. I had a lady come to me recently. She had these series of dreams which showed her almost like a kind of past life narrative underneath the current love triangle she was involved in in her life. And just validating that in her, you know, where in our society at this current point can you share that? When you see, sometimes it's inherently traumatic, just opening up to the sheer amount of information in the multidimensional field in a society and in a culture that doesn't recognize it. You have to feel pretty independent you have to give yourself real permission. And that's why these certain key figures like Stanislav Grof, who was a Czech psychiatrist who was given LSD in order to understand 
the reality of psychotic patients, but actually ended up realizing that it had very expansive potential, potential to indicate higher states of consciousness. And then he ended up working with Richard Tarnas at the Esalen Institute and using astrology to help map human experience in these altered states. I mean, it's taken these open-minded pioneers in a way. Um, he, he calls it a condensed system of experience, you know, that we have these layers inside us. And in a sense, him and Tarnas argue the birth chart itself is a symbol map of those layers of experience inside yeah. us on that multidimensional level. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I know, you know, personally what it's like to sit in a session or to sit with my chart and kind of push a button, push one of those planets and say, what's in there? What's this about? What's this aspect about? And have it not so much be about the aspect, but it is a vibration, I think, from our natal charts that does live in us. And for me, I know if I strum that vibration, I can tell if we're clear or not, right? And so it's really- But that's the best use of the map. The best use of the astrological map is to clean up your own house. Yeah, to, make sure your own house exactly, is in order. <laughs> exactly. That's the best use of it. It really exists as the best kind of psychic map, way better than these personality tests and various things, because it's just so much more subtle and multidimensional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, but I mean, let me just say, so there's this external perception of trauma. So it, it was, you know, hysteria that led to Freud and psychoanalysis. Then there was the understanding of combat trauma that didn't actually become officially recognized until the 70s with Vietnam. So you had this tragedy in the First World War of young men being shot for being cowards when they were actually in a psychiatric condition, of shell shock, etc. Then the recognition of the rise of domestic violence in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And then I would argue this sort of deep memory domain, pre-verbal childhood memories, bardo states, womb states, and past lives. Um, And I think astrology, and anyone can have these slides if you want to email me or or, or whatever, we can share them. But the key for me is astrology is a symbol map to try and explore them in that kind of sense of clearing your own house, of, of being able to access that which is within you that you can't understand or that, because I mean, what I've likened before is, um, you imagine it, it's like, a guy has this big wound. He has this spear coming out of his back, if you like. You know, the fact that maybe his father beat him when he was a child is like a spear sticking out of his back. And then he goes to a cocktail party, Stormy. He meets nice, he's chatting to Stormy, how nice she is. And he turns around to say hi to Mark. And that spear knocks Stormy's drink over because Mm -hmm. he's he's unconscious of it. He's got this huge unresolved violence in his field. And he doesn't know it's there. And then you're understandably aggrieved that someone just spilt red wine all over your clothes. Yeah. It's yeah. like helping people realize the spear sticking out of their back that they can't see anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh. I use astrology to do that. But then I try to use psychology to, to resolve or spiritually orientated psychology to resolve how that works. So so you can see Uranus and stressful aspects in the natal chart are a trigger to explore the fact that something might be happening on that nonlinear domain. But then I turn to things like here, this is a, the work of A.H. Almas from the diamond approach. And he introduces the concept of essence, that essence is real. 
that you have a real essence that you have, if you like a color of your soul. And if you lose that essence or you lose that connection to that essence, it is effectively subtly devastating. Mm -hmm. People are going through life and they're like shells of their former self, or they're like a ghost in their own life, haunting their own life because they've lost connection to that essence. And this is Almas again, the pressure of loyalty of the child to mm -hmm. damaged parents or schooling or the conditioning environment is such that it pressures people to trade their essence, to effectively give up the diamond inside their heart for costume jewelry, for, for paste, to trade it for trinkets in the mm -hmm. world. And yeah. Um, yeah. this is crucial to create a space. C can astrology, can, can us in our lives and our interest in astrology and healing, can we create spaces in our personal and communal lives where people can come back to themselves, where they can recognize the abandonment of self or the loss of essence? Yeah, and, I will just tell yeah. you that my experience, and I know I've, I've talked about this a hundred times on this channel, but my experience of education in, in 2020 times as it was, um, was this, was a genuine making sure in my home at a level that I hadn't before that my children had a place to come back to themselves. We've always had that in our lives, but as things changed here, with the way education was being done, really making sure that that was available. But also the benefit of it was, is that my children moved into the hybrid schedule. So they started going to school from 12 until five, instead of, you know, eight until three and yes. lit up as human beings. I mean, they have done better and performed better in school. They are on their own natural schedules. We get to see them in our home participate as fundamentally different human beings. It has been, you know what I mean? As opposed to this very pre-2020 where we go to school from eight until three and then you come home and we make sure you've got this special space that you can just be you that doesn't conform to that outside world. As yep. things have changed some of the pretending of their, their school years, their teen years has gotten to fall off a little bit. And it's profound. It's profound over here. Well, and what it does is you're breaking this prescriptive idea that everybody learns the same way. It's right. a big problem with standardized education because you can see from an administrative point of view and a bureaucratic point of view, they need it to be the same. You know, it's a lot mm -hmm. easier. Why is McDonald's so successful? Because all the stores, all the McDonald's look the same. You can just take out a flat pack, you can assemble it in a week and move on. It's easier for big structures to work like that. But of course, education is completely different. Children learn completely differently. Some people are kinesthetic. Some people yes. are very mental and abstract. Some people are very emotional and feeling based. Some people are very right brain. Some people are very left brain. And it's a, that complexity is a problem to the conventional world because it's yeah. difficult to deal with that much complexity, but it's absolutely crucial. And it's crucial in therapeutic and healing circles. I would say there's an educational element to healing work in any form therapy astrology in a sense creating uh, an educational space where a person can be who they really are and the mm -hmm. way they truly learn and, it, and you'll find it's unique for different people some yeah. people i work with you know you say one thing you suggest one thing and they run with it and their whole life changes and other people it doesn't come through to them in that way you have to find a way to embody it they have to find a way to to bring it round to their way of learning.
But the other thing I would say to people is maybe also, as Stormy raised the point earlier, maybe these things also have to happen. Maybe the path of individuation requires at least some kind of abandonment of self, no matter how loving the parents. You have to learn what it feels like to give away your essence, and then you have to learn what it feels like to reclaim it. And it's the most powerful thing in the world to reclaim your essence. And yeah. it's totally doable. I am not trying to share something here that isn't doable. It's a big commitment. It might require support in certain situations, but you can reclaim your essence and you can at least begin that process through simply a commitment of your will, of your spiritual will. You just dedicate yourself to honoring the truth within yourself yeah. and not um, giving it up for social pressure or for lies or for shame or, or because your mother or your sister aren't used to you behaving that way or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Mm. You've got to make that commitment, that courage and that integrity to yeah. be that essence. Even if you don't fully understand it, even if you're not sure how it'll all play out, because that's, that's the deal in the adult world, isn't it? We don't know how it's all going to play out. Yeah. There's no guarantee ultimately in, in a sense of how your life's going to work out. But the one thing you can guarantee is the way you hold yourself within it or the way you show up. Yeah. I think that the, you know, my, my abundance of experience is this fierce combination between willingness, intuition, and hindsight, because it's like, I typically, you know, show up, act as if do the thing in front of me, commit to the intuitive thought that I've had. And in hindsight, I see how and why, you know, I don't ever see it from the front ever. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it from the front once, but in the middle, having to show up as what the intuition has shown me, that's real hard to act as something different and allow my actions to change my thinking and my life, as opposed to that human trap we were talking about in the beginning, yes, where I want to yes. think myself into some new actions. I'm going to think myself better today. Well, fuck, if I could have thought myself better, I would have done that. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the thing. That's the way I approach people. I understand that people have tried various different things. I mean, that's why, why have I specialized so much in what people could call the unusual, these higher or deeper levels symbolized by the outer planets? Why, why mm -hmm. is my website called the plutoschool.com? Mm. It's like, because I've specialized in these more challenging domains in which some of the extra hidden information might lie, which is mm. the reason why when people do try so hard to change their lives, they're not always able. Yeah. And then the other thing I think, Stormy, exactly. I mean, it, it's life is a test of faith at certain points. The universe tests your commitment to your will. And in a way it's like that old spiritual phrase to be in the world, but not of it. You know, yeah. if you're going to preserve your soul in its truest form, if you're going to be like that hermit, you know, that can cloak, but then bring out the lamp. It's like, you have to learn to hold your own power and your own truth. And this doesn't mean everyone's going to be high-fiving you all the time and turning around and going, oh, you're so soulful. You're so amazing. No, it means in lots of situations, you're going to have to hold that totally on your own without really knowing how it plays out. Mm -hmm. But that is, to me, that's the larger faith that, that, that this path asks from us in a way. Yeah. So do you feel like, you know, in your experience, in the end, we have all of these conversations of the evolution of self. Do you feel like at some point in the end, we all, no matter how we're saying it, lie and land at this idea of faith, like that it is you're just solidly, squarely confronted with an issue of faith over and over and over again, regardless of how you're yes. getting here? 
Well, I, I do, but, but it's so interesting because we live in a world where many people don't have any faith. And some of those people, I would say, have a high degree of unconscious faith. Let's picture the very rational scientist who doesn't believe in anything divine at all. And yet they're an incredibly good person. They're highly moral. You know, they run some sort of charity for science and some funding for progressive science across the world. They spend their summers after working hard, you know, helping friends remove cataracts from people high in the mountains of Nepal or something. You know, they're just this incredibly good person. They're highly moral. I would say there's this unconscious faith too. Mm -hmm. You know, it can come down to a spiritual crisis or religious crisis, but people who don't have any religious view at all are people that have lots of faith. And some people who have a very spiritual viewpoint, you know, they would profess that every book they ever read, every class they ever go to is spiritually mm -hmm. orientated. They don't have very much faith at all, actually. Sure. So faith is this mysterious quality inside people. I would say it's, it's yeah. almost like the heart of the energy field. Some people's yeah. energy field has a very profound beating heart, even though their philosophical vantage point might be quite narrow, very scientific, very materialist, yeah. everything's very conventional, but they have this incredible love unconsciously behind them. And then there are some very, um, I would say, constricted so-called spiritual people on that level who've actually hardened their heart because for a variety of reasons. So it's complex, but I, I do, I mean, mm. I do think it boils down to that crisis in certain situations and especially the self-healing crisis. There is at the heart of all therapeutic projects, a self-healing crisis. The person has to come up against that part of them that does not believe they can ever get better. And they have to somehow cross that inner mm. chasm or abyss. And the only way you can do that is to find a new living definition of a new faith. Yeah. And sometimes that happens and it's incredibly beautiful. It feels like a miraculous privilege to have been a part of it. And sometimes that apparently doesn't happen or takes a very, very long time. And that can be extraordinarily painful for people. Absolutely. I just feel like, I feel like we would be quite hard pressed to find a single person on this planet that doesn't have faith in something, whether or not it is the faith that has been given to us yes. via the concept of religion, or it yes. is just faith that is just the word that it is, which is not necessarily religious until you make it that way. But to find a person who genuinely has faith in nothing. It's almost impossible, isn't it? I, I couldn't agree more. That's a, that's a very profound point. Even someone like Richard Dawkins, the famous biologist and author of The Selfish Gene, who, who attacks religion all the time, obviously has an almost religious faith in science. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. I don't, well, it's just implicit, isn't it? You, you step out of bed and you have faith that the floor will be there. Yeah. You know, you, exactly. I think, to me, in fact, I just think that's the most profound thing that you just said, Stommy, that any of us has said in this conversation in a way. Because you, you could say it's faith in life or the divine, couldn't you? Everything, just Everything. to breathe, just to be here. You, you really realize why is there anything at all is the most mind blowing thing of, of everything. Why, why just, does any of this exist? Why does life have this quality of being alive and this ability to replicate and proliferate itself? Yeah. I, yeah. I marvel myself at that I, I i'm completely blown away some days that any of this is happening at all and i think i agree i think i think it's all faith conscious or unconscious 
including the so-called faith in science or technology or the new scientific paradigm that denies all religion or spiritual truth, which I think is a dangerous place to be in the world, Stormy. I'd go as far as to say that. Can astrology, can people and their interest in this field that we're in, can we recognize the soul? Can we recognize the quality and power of the experiences in the psychic life of the soul? And can we be um, a safe harbor for people who've also had deep experiences in their soul in a culture that appears to find the word soul problematic where it increasingly detaches itself from it which i think is a dangerous loss you know how how are we going to find our way through the the challenges of the current era if we deny the power of our own soul absolutely well and it's interesting because it's it's almost the game of humanity because i do believe in our history we have been here before with the dance of the soul you know, on some level, but what it comes down to me every time, every client I sit with, every day I live, every day I parent, is that the universe, whether you call it God, you call it something else, whatever it is, it wins every time, every time. So this denial or moving away from the significance of the soul, I think only gets to last for a very minimal amount of time because it, whether it be via death and we get that call home or through yes. a profound rearrangement of the psyche that then acknowledges the soul, the universe wins every time. But I think you are speaking, if, if, you can, if you'll forgive me being so direct with you, Stormy, you reveal to me in these last sections of our conversation where you are at as a person on a soul level. And I think you are a person who has initiated herself to a certain degree in the sense that you have recognized, as I have in a slightly different way, but, but parallel, yeah, that the life of the soul or the power of the divine is greater than any uh, human personal or egoic effort or apparent you know, the structures of society, the power of culture, the power of civilizations, the power of the mobilization of armies or whatever uh, are as nothing really to the power of the divine. But that is, that is something that people go through different stages of. Yeah. I, I suspect the two people having this conversation now are relatively unusual in that regard. Most people in the modern era have not necessarily understood that and by understanding that i don't mean an intellectual understanding like just like an algebra equation you know the power of the divine is 10 to the power 100 and the power of the human self is 10 to the power one i've understood it's bigger not that kind of understanding but truly understood inside that you can't actually stray from the inside that you can't go very far in your psychic life before you reorientate around the recognition of where true power is originating from, that true power is spontaneously emergent with the properties of life itself, that life itself holds the true power, that the universe itself, cosmos, the divine, the sacred nature of reality, however you want to describe it, holds the real power, and then that that power is given to you by grace inside the heart of your soul, if you like. And that that transcends your personal egoic self with its apparent problems and insecurities and aches and pains and stresses. And will I be a hero today or a villain? Will I be successful? Won't I? This kind of narrative gets eaten up by that bigger insight. But you have to go through certain things. It's like Groundhog Day, the movie, isn't it? He has to go through his suicidal phase. You know, he has to go through the phase where he drives the car off the cliff. And he realizes, no, you can't escape. And then you have to start giving. 
you have to start giving to that divine authority, not experiencing it as a threat. Yeah, but that's the beauty. And that is how the business became stormy grace is the, you know, I was taught that grace is the slack the universe gives us for being jerks. <laughs> and so that works for me. I mean, it's usually, it's more colorful than that, but it is, it is that idea though of that, like, you know, as a practitioner, that grandiose almost faith that it's okay. Cause you got to go through what you got to go through. Cause the universe is going to win every time anyway. So take the path that you need to, to get into the position that you need to, there is grace in that. What I think is that humans are doing the best that they can at every time. And I know that cause it's what they're doing. And when they know better, they do better. And I've just been able to see that. Right. So there's like, there's so much grace in, in the healing, the traumas and trying to avoid the traumas and the suppression, repression, ad- identification, like it just seems like there's a lot of space to navigate. Oh, well, that's another very profound point you've made, Stormy, that paradoxically the grace is there in the healing of trauma, but also paradoxically grace is there even in the trauma and yeah. even in the suppression of trauma that there isn't really a space when it's not there. Although there is this mysterious thing I, I've seen, so I've been, I've been, graced enough to personally witness a number of times i sort of referred to it earlier but in very severe trauma cases that i've worked with which are relatively rare but really like genuinely shocking cases of what's happened to people and often when they're very small children too um this mysterious power that just grows in the room that seems to emerge out of the field between me and the person. So it's not coming from me. It's not about me being a good astrologer or a good therapist. It is a background potential of reality itself that becomes greater than the healing intention. It's something I called on in the meditation, the sense that, you know, all of us here today form a greater intention by being together than we would do just sat a room on our own, that collective field. Well, there's a field constellated in therapy in deep astrological work and and healing work around people's trauma. And sometimes out of that, a grace does occur in which the person that felt that they were shaped forever by that trauma is literally reborn, like like baptism, reborn by uh, washed in a divine light that returns them to their innocence. And when that happens, the only thing you can do is just bow your head out of sheer respect for the power of life. Um, but that has taught me, you know, it is worth meditating on that, that even in the most appalling situations that that potential exists. So you kind of, you can't ever really give up mm-hmm. because this, um, this incredible other level power does exist in life in, in, and can emerge in apparently even the darkest experiences or memories that someone's holding. Yeah. Wow. So good. It is good. It does revivify one's sense of faith in life. You know, on some brutal level, and 2020 was a fairly brutal year, we're all born to die. We'll all get old and more fragile or get cut down before we get old. We'll, we'll all die too soon. Everyone listening to this, me speaking, will all die too soon. Our loved ones, even my child, who's tiny little being, she'll grow old and die. You know, we were born to grow old and die. So that was always a given. So the key becomes, you know, what is going on inside that experience? Right. What is going on inside the part of us that doesn't die in a way, or isn't just 
you know, there's some crucial part of the human soul that is not a throwaway. Yeah. yeah. It's not disposable. It doesn't just stop. Yeah. And, and can that become the basis of our astrological and healing work? And can we, you know, trust the spiritual, psychological and healing power of astrology and reanimate astrology with that power and let it serve our community with that power? Yeah. Because the I world needs it in a way, doesn't it? It does. And I love um, Stephen Forrest. And I, I can't remember, I think it's, I can't remember which book it is at the moment, but he says, you know, you can find out all of these things. You can do psychotherapy, you can do therapy for years. You can do all of these things. The real gift that astrology has to offer is speed. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that is brilliant because we, we do need it. The currency of life is time. So what am I spending my, my time on? And if astrology acts as this beautiful map that maybe I can go to this Uranian energy and somebody who specializes in that and, and look at what's living down there, maybe what I just get to save is a little bit of time, but also do that healing work. And maybe not, you know, maybe that's not, maybe it only happens when it happens, but I thought. No, it does save time. It, it is direct. And, and this yeah. is the challenge for astrology. Because the, the fantasy of speed, as you begin to, I think, intuitively sense, the fantasy of speed can rush. And rushing is dangerous when it comes yes. to, say, resolving childhood wounding. At the same time, middle-class psychotherapy, some Bay Area analyst charging 350 bucks for 50 minutes, you know, twice a week, it's just elitism, isn't it? It's like middle upper middle-class elitism. Psychotherapy has become too bloated. It's become in some ways, not democratic enough. And so there needs to be, for me, a fusion point. Sure. We need to think about speed for the sake of the relieving of suffering, but not, not to rush. Right. And yeah. then we need to respect what psychotherapy has had, because psychotherapy has had these deeper processes that do take time. How can a person heal their deeper childhood stuff if they've only seen their therapist 10 or 20 times. No, they need to see that therapist for several years because they need to feel almost as comfortable with that therapist as they did with a parent early yeah. on so that they can recreate some of the feelings. So there are reasons why therapy yeah. took so long. For me, the middle point is a kind of fusion, a guidance space, a mentoring, a coaching. And in fact, with a colleague, I'm creating a psychosynthesis coaching training uh, remotely next year, starting in September. You know, a non-astrological training to help people. It's like a two-year program to create a spiritual, psychological coaching paradigm so that people have this guidance from two very experienced psychotherapists, spiritually trained psychotherapists, yeah. uh, and can draw on that potential in themselves because that's the key to go alongside the astrology. The astrology is that map that can point very quickly that might take months of therapy to get to what the issue is. But then the problem astrology has is it got there too quickly. Right. And then the person doesn't know what to do with the inside. Yeah, they're they like, don't know ah! what to do. <laughs> exactly. And then they drop the ball. The key has got to be then shorter term guidance or mentoring that accompanies that astrological insight so right. that the person can not drop the ball and actually do some healing work within that same time frame. And that's the kind of mentoring coaching guidance um training that i'm trying to give at this point in my work and even to the point of offering an entirely astrological free training just in the core principles of you know psychotherapeutic coaching i'm using the coaching paradigm to remove myself from the licensing world 
right. in part, you know, because that's one of the things that bogs psychotherapy down. It has to be approved by licensing bodies and licensing bodies are very tied into the scientific paradigm of our current culture and all the emphasis on medication and, you know, chemical answers to your problems. And obviously from the point of view of the soul, it's naive. Why, why would another dependence help someone heal? No, it's not that all medication is wrong, but the fantasy we've got that we will find a penicillin for human depression is hugely problematic. Yeah, yeah, wow. We have but, just gone there yes, this morning. Yes, yes, we have. <laughs> well, because you are a surprisingly, um, well, not surprisingly, I just didn't, I don't know you very well, but it's just, it's surprised me in a very pleasant way what a deep and spiritual orientation you have. Um, and, and on that level, it's been a pleasure talking to you because there's just a core resonance I think between us on that level that that even amongst the greatest pain of life comes this very genuine and even dramatic soulful opportunity to return to your deeper self that trauma is in fact one of the great triggers in human life experience to throw people back on the self that you know why do we lose things? We lose things that meant so much to us and then we do or die. Mm -hmm. We either, that loss is too much and we die or we find that which is within us that cannot be lost. Yeah, that's why and I then, think, yeah. I think humans are so magnificent because I think as far as I know, we're one of the only creatures that I know of that get to live multiple lives within a lifetime, if we're willing. Yes. And that's a brilliant Iranian perspective, maybe to draw to a close on, you know, you truly embrace the Iranian energy field and it is like downloads and you will go through a period of three or five years or a decade period. And that is like a whole other lifetime of intensity. Exactly. In very extreme cases, uh, one single night or one weekend can feel like a lifetime. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's partly to do with that supercharged extra dimension of information and material, emotional, psychic material from the soul level. I put it to you out there. Those of you who have found this conversation interesting, perhaps, but you don't perhaps always know where we're coming from. Um, the potential in your life when you connect directly with even the reflected light of your own soul, if you can imagine not not just you know, so profound that you're just absorbed into your own soul. But just even if you saw it dualistically, even if you just saw your own soul as a kind of guide or a guardian angel or whatever the idea is, that guiding star that I spoke about, and you just opened up a conscious relationship with that guiding star, that's much more powerful in some ways than understanding your natal chart to open up a living relationship with the light within you, because that's the light that will light the path, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's the light that will give you that feeling. Yeah. Whereas understanding your chart will help you orientate to a path, but it won't give you that feeling of inner moral, emotional and spiritual authority to walk along that path proudly. Yeah. Yeah. What a 
great note to end on. I feel like this has been so good. Thank you so much. Yes. Oh, I, pleasure. Pleasure. I felt like this was just wonderful connection. And I felt like we had a really good connection in the chat as well. So hopefully you guys are just drinking it in down there. And if you're watching on the playback, love to know your feedback, your comments, where you're at. Make sure you leave that down below. Mark, where can people find you? And I'll make sure your okay. information's in yes. the description as well. So plutoschool.com theplanetplutoschool.com. So plutoschool.com, there's loads of free stuff. There's loads of podcast material, essays, free resources, reading lists. Um, but also there's two primary courses on there. The Counseling Skills for Astrologers course, which is a kind of um, taking the best of 20th century psychology and translating it into terms that people who are interested in astrology can find useful for their personal lives or their work with people. So I'm just summarizing the best of 20th century psychology in a way that can help us understand our own development. And then there's a course on my astrological approach, which uses the outer planets to imagine the nodes of the moon as an arc of personal evolution. So there are these more, you know, committed courses also in the site but there's also loads of free stuff. And I can be reached at markjones at plutoschool.com. Mark with a K, jones at plutoschool.com. And look, I wish you all the best. It, my invisible friends out there, <laughs> on a heart level, I salute you. I wish you all the best for this year ahead and, and the world too. You know, I think it's been a challenging time for an awful lot of people this last year. And hopefully we can all contribute to, to to finding our way again as a collective good luck god bless yeah absolutely all right you guys i'll make sure that mark's information is in the description box give me a few minutes after this is done downloading as well if you haven't checked out the kickstarter that is going right now make sure you click in the link in the description box down below check it out uh free astrology or community funded astrology for a year that's what's coming up as we begin the 2021 astrological year i will be suspending my group classes for a year and teaching them live for free right here on YouTube as well. We will have paid teaching assistance and all kinds of cool goodies. So check it out, support the project if it sounds like that's up your alley. All right, everybody, we will see you on Wednesday when we will have another eat and greet at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. And Nate Craddock will be here. We're going to talk about primary directions. So thank you guys so much. Hopefully we gave you something that was worth the time you took to show up and we'll see you next time. Bye everybody. Yay! Thanks. That oh. was real. That was